Welcome to Sellersburg United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world to you, wherever you are. Good morning, my friends. We are in the second week of Eastertide. And so we are in the midst of this incredible season where we continue to understand and tell the story and reflect upon what it means that Jesus rose, that Jesus glorifies God, that Jesus is lifted up, lifted up on the cross, lifted up from the tomb and ascended, lifted to the Father And now all that that means for us. And so our passage today comes from the gospel we call John. It continues right from where we left off last week. The same day as the encounter of Peter and the beloved disciple and Mary encountering the empty tomb. The day that Mary encounters Jesus. And the day that Jesus commissions Mary as the very first preacher to go and preach the good news of a risen Savior to the disciples Now, she goes and preaches. It doesn't tell us how they responded. But this preacher preached no matter what their response was going to be because that's all she can do. And with that, let us continue where we left off, right? It says, Mary has announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord. And then she told them what he had said to her. So beginning in verse 19 in the 20th chapter. It was still the first day of the week. That evening, while the disciples were behind closed doors because they were afraid of the Jewish authorities, Jesus came and stood among them. He said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And when the disciples saw the Lord, they were filled with joy. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they aren't forgiven. Thomas, the one called Didymus, one of the twelve, wasn't with the disciples when Jesus came. The other disciples told him, We've seen the Lord. But he replied, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, Put my finger in the wounds left by the nails and put my hands into his side. I won't believe. After eight days, his disciples were again in a house and Thomas was with them. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus entered and stood among them. He said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your hand into my side. No more disbelief. Believe. Thomas responded to Jesus, My Lord and my God. Jesus replied, Do you believe because you see me? Happy are those who don't see and yet believe. Then Jesus did many other miraculous signs in his disciples' presence, signs that aren't recorded in this scroll. 
that these things are written so that you will believe that Jesus is the Christ, God's Son, and that believing you will have life in his name. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We have the conclusion of this Easter day encounter with the risen Jesus. And we could spend time focusing on the kind of theological element to John, which is much different than Luke or Matthew or Mark. See, what we have here is the completion of Jesus' ascension to the Father, the completion of his work, the completion of his glorification, of his exaltation, of his being lifted up on the cross from the tomb and to God. Remember, he told Mary, don't cling to me because I haven't yet ascended to the Father. Now he has and shows up the same day in the room with the disciples as a sign that his work is done and he now empowers them that they can go and do their work. The first thing he says when he's in their presence, first time he's seen them and they've seen him since they all left and abandoned him. Probably many things he might have said could have said they might have expected him to say what would your friend say if you left them jesus offers no amount of shame doesn't point to any amount of guilt they should have he doesn't do anything like that he stands with them and says peace be with you peace be with you jesus brings peace even to those who don't believe. They don't believe yet. The beloved disciple believes. Mary believes and knows. But the other disciples, they don't yet believe. They've heard what Mary has said, but there's been nothing to indicate they believe. In fact, what happens shows us that they don't believe until Jesus shows them his hands and shows them his side. So we'll read it again. Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. When the disciples saw the Lord, they were filled with joy. And then Jesus says again, peace be with you. So once they come to believe, oh, it is Jesus. They see him. They know it's him from the wounds. Then they believe. Then they're filled with joy. And Jesus reminds them, peace be with you. And as the Father sent me, so I I'm sending you. My work is done, Jesus says, and now I'm sending you to continue the work that I have started. And we're not going at it alone. He then breathes on them. He breathes the Holy Spirit. Now the Gospel of Luke has a very different account of the timing of all the receiving of the Holy Spirit, but John shows that on that first day, He's ascended, he comes back to be with the disciples, and then he breathes on them. And this to breathe, this word that we find in the Greek in the story, it's the only time in the entire New Testament we have this word. John has been working hard to tie what's happening with Jesus back to Genesis. So if we go back to Genesis chapter 2, God has formed the dirt person, Adam, out of dirt, Adama, has formed a person and then breathes into them this breath of life, this breath that is more significant than that kind of breath. And then that person is alive. The same breath 
that God shows Ezekiel in the vision of the valley of dry bones when the people have been gathered from the dusty dry bones and put back together with muscle and sinew and, and flesh and then are standing there and then God breathes on them. What we find is with the creation of humanity, of female and male, that the breath of God is the core. What we find is that Israel in the valley of dry bones that had since died, had since lost the life that they were intended to have and are now a collection of bones. God's promise has been to rise Israel back up, to bring life back to Israel. What do we find in John? We find a group of people, men and women, but specifically referred to as the Twelve, which speaks back to Israel in the time of Ezekiel, the Twelve Tribes. That's Israel, the Twelve Tribes, the tribes of Jacob, Jacob's sons. We find the Twelve are standing before Jesus. They receive life. Well, not Thomas. Thomas isn't there yet. Jesus gives life to the disciples, to the new Israel. The promise of old that had been undone after Genesis, that was promised in the time of Ezekiel, the time that everyone's been waiting for when Israel, God's people, would be risen up into new life, occurs on this Easter day, the first day of the new week. The week Encountered in Genesis, it never ended. The seventh day God rests, there's no end of the week. Here we find the beginning of the new week on the new day in a garden tomb. And from the garden comes the very life and breath of God given to Israel once more, the 12. And then says, now you are going to do the work that I have planned for you that I'm commissioning and sending you to do. What is that work? The work is to do what Jesus did. To love. To put the full love of God on display just like Jesus did on the cross, from the tomb, from the ascension, standing before them and saying, look, believe, peace be with you. Not shame, not guilt, not judgment, not condemnation. I'll come to you where you are, here, see, believe. And then go and do what I've commanded you. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are to love one another. People will know that you are my disciples, followers of the will of God, of Jesus, if you love one another. We're to love. If it involves a cross, we are to love. Because we know that on the other side of the cross is life. And not just life that involves that kind of breath, but life that involves breath from God. Eternal breath. Eternal life. Presence with God. Now. And forevermore. Cannot be defeated. And when we show this kind of love, when we do what we're supposed to do, the world will be confronted with the love of God through us. And then the world will experience the judgment of either that people will believe or they won't. It's not on us. And if they believe, then they experience the fullness of life that comes, the eternal life that comes through knowing Jesus, the eternal life that forgives all sin, 
And if they don't believe, then their sin remains. We are to go to the people, to the world, to everybody, to everywhere, in the same way that Jesus came to everyone, everywhere, the world. For God so loved the world, right? And so it should be said, for we are to love the world so much that we would give ourselves up. So the remainder of this scene is, is kind of an echo. It involves us. Thomas wasn't with them. Thomas wasn't there to see. He's got a whole room full of witnesses saying that they saw, but will he believe? Well, I imagine that what they had to say to Thomas, hopefully, wasn't one of guilt or shame, but was rather excitement and joy that would tell Thomas something has happened. But Thomas needs proof, right? Just like the disciples did, because Jesus said, here's my hands and my side. Thomas needs a little more. He wants to feel it. Okay, so eight days later, Jesus appears in the room again. Thomas is there. Jesus says, peace be with you. And then he turns to Thomas and says, here, see the holes. Put your finger in them. Put your finger in my side. No more unbelief. Believe. An invitation to believe by seeing the fullness of God on display through the Jesus who showed the fullness of love. Thomas believes. And actually, Thomas goes even further. He goes further than belief. He proclaims. He says, my Lord and my God. This is the first and only time in the Gospel of John that Jesus is proclaimed as God. Nowhere in this passage is the word doubt, not once. Thomas is not the doubter. Thomas is the proclaimer. And if you imagine the scene being played out, Jesus talking to Thomas, here, see my hands, put your hand in my side. And then he says, you believe because you see me. And then it's as if he turns to the camera, to the church today and says, happy are those who do not see and yet believe. Do you believe? Have you experienced the love of God? A love that comes from a place that could not have come from anywhere else. The kind of love that is self-giving, sacrificial, that would even go to the cross. The kind of love that's not deserved. It cannot be earned. It's unexpected. The kind of love that goes well beyond any sort of expectation. Have you experienced that? From someone in your life, I'm guessing you have, which is what's led you to faith. Because there are all sorts of faith stories out there. There are many faith stories, but people only tend to cling and believe to the ones that they know to be true. Someone has revealed the truth of the love of God to you to the point where you know what they're saying about Jesus is true, to the point where you know your sins are forgiven in which they are, to the point where you say yes to this life in Jesus' name, to where you receive the breath of God and then are commissioned to go and be a part of the ongoing displaying of the love and truth in Jesus' name so that others may come to know too. This is our charge. We've been empowered. Jesus will come to us how we need. If it's the disciples, look. If it's Thomas, feel. Jesus will do that. Jesus has done that. We need to do that. We need to do that for others. We need to enter into the room of unbelief, to the space, to the presence of unbelief, not with shame, not with condemnation, not with guilt, uh, not judgment, but be a source of peace, God's peace, 
a source of sacrificial love that'll say, let me show you the fullness of love of God, even if it means that I carry my own cross. I will, because I know that the life that God offers goes well beyond any life that we can imagine right now. I know that the love of God is eternal and will outlast all, that death does not have the final word, that sin does not have the final word. Do we live a life that reflects this kind of faith? Happy are those who believe in the fullness and the love and peace of God in Jesus' name without seeing. But we are still to go and be a source, a witness to let others see. So know that God will come to you where you are and that we are to go to others where they are. We have a really unique opportunity right now, church. We are in the midst of COVID-19 and we all know there's a lot of chaos going on out there. There's a lot of arguing and debating and finger pointing. And I see all sorts of articles being shared on social media that are not friendly. They're not loving. I see people making accusations at particular people or particular groups of people as if they're the ones messing everything up. I see other people, leaders, causing tension amidst people and other leaders. I see people trying to disorder love and cooperation and a shared humanity. Are we participating in that? You need to look in the mirror and ask yourself the question, am I a source of peace? Am I a source of love? Am I a source of putting the fullness of the love of God as seen in Jesus? Am I putting it on display? Or am I feeding other fires? Am I retweeting things that really don't have anything to do with the love of God? Am I sharing headlines and bashing groups of people in a way that is the opposite of reflecting the love of God? Am I speaking about people and groups of people in a way that reveals the love of God? Or am I working against the love of God and trying to sow division and chaos into the hearts and minds of others. What is your source? Because if you're sowing division and disorder and chaos, if you're speaking in condemnation and in judgment and exclusivity, you are not speaking through the power and breath of God. This is our chance, church, to be the church in a way that we've never been asked to be the church before. The world is crazy right now. There's so much goodness happening right now. We can look at our healthcare workers. We can look at uh, community servants like the police, firefighters. We can look at the military. We can look at the grocery store clerks. We can look at the people that are keeping us alive and keeping things moving in the essential way. We can look and see the goodness, but we can also look and see the disorder. Where's the church? You are the church. Are you on the side? Are you being seen as a source of essential and life-giving love and witness to the peace of God? Or are you getting caught up in political debates, theological discussions to the point where you're angry and you're hurting others and making cutting remarks out of your anger? Do you find yourself fixated on, focused on a group of people and all the things you think about them that aren't very healthy? Or... Are you looking to be a source of peace and love for everyone around you in all conversations that you have? Are you spending any time in prayer to ask God, God, where are you calling me 
to be the church today. I can't do it in the normal way because everything's abnormal. So where are you calling me to be a source of peace and grace and love? Where can I go to, show, to, to be willing to be wounded myself and then show the wounds, not as a look at me and how great I am, but as a look how good God is, that I know that I can walk to the cross with full confidence and assurance and hope because of Jesus Christ. We have the chance. And so I invite you to reread chapter 20 of John. Reread it. Envision your place in the story. What is it to encounter the risen Christ? What is it to be empowered and receive peace, to be commissioned to go and be the body of Christ, to love as Jesus loved, to go and proclaim, to not only see and believe, but to know that Jesus is Lord and God, that we can know these things and have life in his name and then become the very vessels through which others can come to know this life as well. Let us be the church. Let us be the peace. And let us be the love of God. Let us be filled with the Holy Spirit given to us through Jesus Christ. Church, I miss you, and I love you, and I cannot wait to see and to hear all the ways in which God's glory and love and truth and light and peace has been shown in this time. I wish you grace and peace, and I ask you to pray with me. Lord, I thank you that we have this time of Easter to be reminded of the truth, to be reminded of the life you offer, to remember, to maybe see for the first time, to believe in a new way, to know completely. Let this time be yours. Let us be yours. Help us, Lord, to be the new Israel today, to be your people that are forgiven and loved, that we may go and show the world of your forgiveness and love. And I thank you that you give us all we need through your breath, through your life, through your Holy Spirit, Lord, I thank you for my sisters and brothers that are a part of this congregation and my sisters and brothers that are a part of other congregations of other denominations in our town, in our county, in our state, in our country, in our world as they all proclaim the good news and seek to be your church that we can witness miracle, that we can be the very source of miracle witnessed. Help us to believe, Lord, to know, and to go and be your church in Jesus' name. Amen. We thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you experienced God's blessing through our time together. To learn more about our church community and its ministries, visit our website at sellersburgumc.com.